0: Uh, So we've been in a series called Lessons from Trees. And um, metaphor is a pretty common way to communicate. Um, I was reading earlier uh, uh, someone's commentary on the book of Romans, and over 100 uh, metaphors are used by Paul just in that one letter to the Romans. It's a pretty vivid way for us to wrap our minds around um, different concepts. And so we've been talking about as we um, we have an opportunity to do so. We can climb a tree. We can rise above a crowded world. And our perspective has changed as we see Jesus. And, and then we have an opportunity to be a tree, which is why I have um, Karen up here. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Um, but the just kind of the two main things that I, I believe that we are becoming as a church is we, uh, we want to be deeply rooted in Christ. And we want to reforest the spiritual environment, the spiritual ecosystem, of Marin. We want to be a part of um, culture making really here uh, to the glory of God. And uh, so uh, last week we talked about a family circle. Um, you may or may not be familiar with that from redwoods in particular. Um, if a, a tree, a redwood tree is uh, say burned by fire and it um, no longer continues to grow if that tree dies um, from the root system around it, it will send up shoots, and they will become uh, redwoods themselves. And we saw some of those those that got to go on the hike last week. And um, so we are in a circle as a reminder of the one who gave his life for us and the life that we have in Christ. And so this is a big family circle, and I'm glad we are family and that we can call this home. Um, This idea of being a tree uh, we've been talking about extending an accessible branch, just making ourselves available to the people around us so that they can catch a glimpse of Jesus. They can see the Jesus way of life. They can experience the love of Jesus and and uh, what he has called us to. I got to experience um, in the last week or so, um, Karen, you being a tree. It was a beautiful um it was a beautiful picture, um, and I'll let you kind of paint that for us, um, but I got to uh, hear about a very good friend of yours, Avril, as we celebrated her life and um, this ties in uh, Pine Ridge, which is what Kevin was talking about. We're going to be going there uh, this afternoon. Um, tell us a little bit about Avril and how you you met her
1: so um, Averil was a friend of mine that I met. A- about eight years ago at Pine Ridge Care Center here in San Rafael, and it was Lori Colbert, who many of you know, that came up here and said that there was a need for people to go to Pine Ridge and just visit with people there. They didn't have friends and family, Um, just a bit. Lonely, perhaps, and I thought, ah, oh, I could do that. It's like, I I was raised with an amazing mother, and she used to like load the neighborhood kids and anybody she could get into the back of a, <laughs> of a station wagon, take us to the convalescent homes, and then have a sing, you know. <laughs> um, so I was familiar with you know the environment, and I thought, okay, I I could do that. Um, so I Lori introduced me to this woman, Avril and immediately there was a connection there and um it it was because i'm an art teacher for those of you that don't know and i have an art background and avril was an art teacher and she created sets for different video companies so there was kind of an automatic like bonding and i'm not the type of person that could just chit chat with a whole bunch of people at a place like that or or any place in in general i'm more of a a one-to-one relationship type person.
0: I'm glad I could put you in the the (laughs) center.
1: I know. Yeah, this is hard. (laughs) So I'm definitely more to one to one. And so I made this connection with her and I thought, okay, this is it. I you know, this is as far as I can I can stretch for me. And in the beginning I said I told Lori, well, in the summers I could go I could go every week but when school starts and I start teaching it'd have to be like maybe once a month and Lori's like whatever you could do there was like no pressure but I just fell in love with this this woman I mean here she was she Avril lost her legs due to MS and diabetes and um, she had very little hand movement and um, her you know, she was losing her memory little by little and she had many hardships throughout her life, but yet she was just this sense of joy. She had this inner joy and she had a sense of humor. And when you walked in, she cared about you. So I was hoping to bless her, but instead she blessed me just by me like looking at her thinking like, how could you have this like inner joy and this sense of humor? And I'd say 85% of the time it was present. She was really an amazing person. So mm-hmm. over the course of these last um, eight years, our relationship grew, and I just got to know her more and more and more and more.
0: Um, and I was introduced to Avril uh, mm-hmm. by way of stories at her memorial service. Uh, she passed away a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you and your mom and Sage um, partnered with some people at Pine Ridge and some other people that knew her mm-hmm. and uh, put together just a beautiful way of celebrating and honoring her at Pine Ridge. And um, I got to meet some other people that are residents at Pine Ridge as well. Um, one of the things that, that really struck me is, uh, as stories were being shared Uh, Sometimes when we think of, okay, I'm going to go help somebody, we get this fix-it mentality, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we hear of a need and we're like, okay, I want to fix this. Um, But what I witnessed was just a willingness on people's part to just be present with each other. I never sensed, um, in you or your family, um, this this, uh, Messiah complex of how can I fix and save this person? You just made yourself available. Um, to Avril and to others there as well. Um, For those of us that probably have a fix it mentality, and I know in our marriages, guys, none of us have a fix it mentality. We're just amazing listeners. And uh, um, no, in so many ways, we we might think of even being a tree as wanting to just get in there and make things so much better. Um, How would you describe the power of presence in someone's life? Because you were really present to each other. you kind of hinted at that. Mm
1: Well, first of all, I I could say that I am, like, such a failure when it comes to that fixing mentality, because I have that fixing mentality, so, um, but what I could say is, um, like, for me, it's much easier to go in to fix something than to be present. but when you are present, you are stretched and you grow so much more. In the beginning, I thought I would just visit ever like once a month, but um, God stretched me. And then I, I just had this calling to go, you know, once a week whenever I could. I am um, looking at Christine Lenahan right now because uh, she was just a, a part of this journey and little does she know, but at first, I was present for Avril. I was—I I felt like you know—I always try to be present for her without the fix-it. I put the fix-it aside. But then, as you get to know somebody and your relationship grows, then you really look at what could enhance their life, and and you develop that relationship that needs to come first. And I, I thought to myself, you know, she's here every day and she doesn't leave this place, and that would drive me nuts. It, she's just there, and, and after a whole year, she had never gotten out, ever. And I thought, but it's not a prison. And so I, I said to the front desk, I'd like to get her out. And they said, that's not possible. I just went out. I, I That's not possible. And I said, why isn't it possible? And they said, you have to get a nurse. And I said, okay. I could get a nurse, and I called Christine Lenahan, yeah. and she's like, of course, of course, let's, let's go, let's, let's get her out, you know? And uh, she checked all her vitals and her, her blood levels, and I don't know any of that stuff, and her <laughs> oxygen, and you know, we loaded it up, and then one time we took another friend of hers, and, and we got them out of Dodge, and it, it was fabulous. <laughs> and um and then so that was that was the start of that journey and from there then i had an art parent that was a nurse and we did a barter and she came with me to take avril out and then there was that there was that trust that was built and then pine ridge no longer required a nurse involved Mm -hmm. you know but um you know, I, I think that I, I definitely think fix-it mentalities are good, but they don't allow you. They only allow you to grow so
0: much. And, uh, and this relationship began eight, roughly eight years ago. Roughly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, just the uh, to having the long view in mind, and mm-hmm. relationships aren't established in a weekend on a Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. but, uh, but they, could be, they could begin on a Sunday afternoon. So uh, for those of us who are going to Dodge, mm-hmm. <laughs> for those of us that are going this afternoon to Pine Ridge, tell us what, what we have uh, okay. to look forward to or if some people are, are thinking about joining us, what's going to happen today?
1: Um, we're just going to walk in and you're going to see a lot of individuals and you can just go up and say hello and be present and that's that's what they need and that's what they want and i can't tell you it's it's hard for me because i am more of a one-to-one person so i would go straight to avril but i would say hi and i would visit a little bit with other people but there are so many people that need love and your attention so you know if you could spare it, five ten fifteen minutes that's that's all they want a hello a listening ear yeah
0: mm-hmm. uh, thank you for yeah. on a variety of levels i know this is this is still real fresh yeah um she yeah. was such a blessing um continues to be a blessing i know but thank you for sharing today and i'd like to pray for you and the rest of us that are going to go today um that god would um just make it very clear to us who, who that Avril will be for us as we go, all right? So would you uh, just bow your heads and let's pray. Father, I thank you. Um, thank you that you have made yourself at home at Pine Ridge. And as we step out, as we, um, as Jane was leading us and singing earlier, um, where you go, we will go. Uh, where you call us, we will follow. Lord, for those of us who are called to go this afternoon to Pine Ridge and uh, to simply put on a smile and to hug and to listen and be present, I pray for those uh, blessed people to see Jesus in a new way. Lord, this is, um, really is a gift that uh, you have given us to go out and to love other people um, So I pray that your spirit will be alive within each of us as we go. Give us eyes to see what you see, ears to hear what you hear. Lord, I wanna say thank you uh, specifically for Avril and the fact that she knew you as her Lord and Savior, um, that she is whole and complete, and I can only imagine the type of art that she is creating in heaven with you. Lord, I also want to say thank you for Karen and the way she uh, is a tree. Um, I have been able to see you in a fresh way through her, and I pray your blessings um, on each of us as we go our way this afternoon in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. One one more thing, are we headed out straight from here for that? Will there be um, a, a little bit of a break, go grab some lunch? What's the schedule for getting over to Pine Ridge? From, okay, great. Okay, all right. Um, I'd like to, um, before I jump in too much with uh, the passage that we're going to go with, I'd like to have five of you volunteer to read some scriptures. Some will come up on the screen and some will not. So you could use the, the Bibles that are there and the chairs underneath you. I need someone to read Genesis 1, 11, and 12. And I'll call on you when we get to that point. Okay, I usually can read minds, but okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, John fourteen twenty-seven. Okay, thank you, Randy. Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. Thank you. Psalm seventy-one eighteen. Okay, and Psalm one oh two eighteen. Awesome. Thanks, Barry. We've been looking at Zacchaeus and this passage in Luke 19. He is—he um, is someone who, as the story goes, he climbed a tree, literally climbed a tree, so he could see Jesus. And so we've based our, our metaphors off of that. I want us to look at another key um, passage that also involves a tree, and uh, actually a grove of trees that we can. Uh, learn from as well. Um, And that's going to be in Genesis 21. That's going to come up on the screen here in just a moment, or you can follow along. on uh, a Bible app or with those Bibles there, but let me kind of set the stage. We're going to look at a man by the name of Abraham, and at this point in his life, uh, he is uh, his wife's name is Sarah. Uh, they have had a child named Isaac. Uh, Abraham also fathered another child, Ishmael. Um, and just to say, uh, up to this point, his faith journey had had a number of ups and downs quite a few, pretty extreme. Uh, When Abraham's journey began as we uh, pick up the story earlier in Genesis, he uh, packed up, he and his father, extended family, packed up from where they lived in their homeland, and they began a long journey to a land I will show you, as God said. So it was a definite faith journey as they packed up to move and they weren't even sure where they were moving to. Uh, When they entered into this land of Canaan, we read that they still journeyed around, traveled around some. But where we pick up the story here, you kind of get the sense that they're settling down. I think Isaac might have been school age and they found a really good school that they wanted him to attend. That's a joke. And uh, anyway, uh, uh, but you kind of get the sense that uh, they're, they're hungering for a sense of permanence. And, uh, and so there is something in particular that Abraham does in this passage that solidifies that. So after um, they have wandered as foreigners in a strange land they are about to make themselves comfortable here. And beginning in verse 22 it says, At the time Abimelech and Phicol the commander of his forces said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. Now swear to me here before God, that you will not deal falsely with me or my children or my descendants. Show to me in the country where you now reside as a foreigner, the same kindness I have shown to you. Abraham said, "I swear it." It goes on from there to talk about um, uh, just uh, kind of smoothing over a difference they had on a well who owned a well that uh, Abraham would be able to use. And then it continues um, a few verses later Abraham planted a tamarisk tree, or depending on the translation that you're reading, he planted a tamarisk grove in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time. And it's those last couple of verses that I want to highlight, and we're going to make some parallels uh, here in a little bit. Um, As I mentioned in the NIV, it says tamarisk tree in other translations and in other literature. Um, This same Hebrew word is um, oftentimes translated as a grove. So you can kind of picture a grove of tamarisk trees. A tamarisk tree is unique in that it grows especially well in salty soil. Um, I had an opportunity, my wife and I did, to go with a church group over to Israel a few years ago. And we spent some time at the Dead Sea, uh, floating really in a weird way in the, <laughs> near the top of the water. You, could not, you cannot drown in the Dead Sea, in the Dead Sea. But um, it is uh, the salt content is that high, and there are tamarisk trees, and that's about the only tree that would survive in that setting. And so, um, due to the nature of uh, the soil there, Abraham had the foresight to plant those tamarisk trees. And uh, I think it's important that he recognized the eternal God, the everlasting God. So, everything he's doing here is kind of has to do with a sense of of permanence. Um, He is kind of saying, we are here to stay. When we plant a tree, literally speaking, we, uh, we are really thinking more about future generations, the generations to come behind us actually, than we are thinking of ourselves. And uh, and Abraham was was saying in his commitment to these people Abimelech and Phicol and the, the people that lived in, the, in that area, he was saying, um, I'm going to be here for a while and the generations that come after me will still remain in this land. And so they entered into this this treaty, this opportunity for them to live at peace among these people. Uh, this is the first time in the Bible that we have a record of a human planting trees. And the reason I say a human is because God planted trees in Genesis 1. So I don't remember who said they would read Genesis 1 11 and 12, but could you read that for us? Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants, and trees on the land that bears fruit and see him, according to their various kinds and it was so the land produced vegetation plants bearing seeds according to their kind and trees bearing fruit with the
1: seed in it according to their kind and god saw that it was good, and god saw that it was good. So.
0: Yeah. so in the uh in the beginning god was creating and a part of that was planting trees. And uh, Abraham, created in the image of God, saw the value in planting those trees. The tamarisk tree in particular has a unique feature. Um, It will, in the heat of the day, uh, uh, during the night it secretes salt. And during the heat of the day, the salt dries and uh, then during the night again, it will absorb water from the air. And then in the morning as it begins to evaporate, uh, it kind of creates its, uh, a natural type of air conditioning. So if you can imagine living in an area with no trees, one of the first things you would be thinking of is how can I create some shade to get out of this heat? Um, and so not only was this a shade tree, but it was actually one that uh, did an especially good job of, of cooling. And uh, so this is what Abraham planted. He planted this grove. And if you uh, looked uh, up a definition of a grove, this is kind of a no-brainer, but a grove is a small group of trees that grow close together in a specific location. Uh, I was wondering, is there a specific number of trees that make up a grove? And as far as I could see, it wasn't necessarily a number of trees as much as just in a certain location uh, that would uh, determine a grove. And I want to begin to just make application of this. A grove um, or a group of trees in a specific location, planted in a specific location. I, um, I pray for the day that we are planting groves of trees, that we are planting groves of Christians throughout Marin. That there will be a grove in Novato. Uh, that there will be groves here in San Rafael, down in, in Mill Valley. Uh, maybe we are establishing groves in the city. Uh, where some of you work, um, just uh, it 's an opportunity for these uh, these groups of people, small groups of people uh, to show the love of Christ in those areas where where we live and it 's an understanding that um, it 's it's very important for us to see where we are located and, and how we can be um, how we can be rooted in Christ and we can bear fruit right there for the people around us. Um, the uh, the book I referenced uh, last week, uh, The Secret Life of Trees, is actually The Hidden Life of Trees. If any of you tried to look that up on Amazon, um, it's The Hidden Life of Trees. And one of the things that I talked about, and um, uh, Suzanne, I think it was on our hike, you talked about how trees communicate. This was mentioned in that book as well. Um, in terms that I could begin to understand, um, I, I would just in general say that trees actually communicate to each other through an underground kind of a fungal network. And if one tree is hit with some type of a disease, it can actually communicate to the trees around it that they need to beware, be warned of what could happen to them as well. And not only does it communicate that, um, but it can also send resources out to other trees uh, that have grown diseased or weakened. So it's a kind of a two-way communication there. Um, So when we think of a grove, uh, we have this opportunity to to be there for each other when one person is recognizing um, that there is something going on in their life and they want to warn others, whatever that might be. Um, and it's also a way of saying, I want to be a blessing to the people around me. Um, Abraham, in planting this grove of tamarisk trees, was committing to communicating peace. Um, he was also saying, I'm not just going to live here but uh, among you as a foreigner, but I'm going to offer myself. And my resources to you. I'm going to offer care to you, and he was also saying, "I want to grow some roots, and I I want this to be a long-term relationship that we have." And so, um, in our faith communities, as we think of them as groves, or as you begin to gather with like-minded Christians, you're circling up as a grove, and you are basically saying, "How." How can we begin to care for one another? Um, John 14, 27. I'd like for somebody to read that. Who had that one?
1: Peace I lay with you, my peace I give you. I do
0: not give you as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, and do not be afraid. It's a peace that we are able to bring to each other. It's a picture of wholeness. It is something that we desire not just within the grove of Christians, but we want to bring peace to the people around us. Uh, 2 Timothy 3 16 and 17. It
1: says, All scripture is invited by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God
0: may be adequate to fit for good work. Yep. Um, just the the vital role that Scripture plays. When we gather together, um, Scripture plays such a key role in us recognizing um, what we need to be protecting ourselves against, how we need to fortify ourselves and moving forward, how it brings health to us. It's a a guide for us. Um, So within that grove, we are uh, offering care and resources for each other. And we learn about these as we center around God's Word. And then um, the... um, just that picture of remaining, remaining planted and growing roots. Um, let me ask you, in our, in our very self-centered culture that we live in, um, what are we doing that will bless people who come after us? What are we doing that will be for the good of others around us? Um, is there anything that you are currently involved in that will outlive you? Think about that for a moment. Is there something this week that you could do that will benefit people long after you are gone? Psalm seventy-one, eighteen. Even when I am old and gray,
1: do not forsake me, my God. So I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty act, all to our time. Psalm one
0: hundred two, eighteen. Very good. Uh, let this be written for a future generation that a people will not yet created they may praise the Lord. And earlier in that, in that Psalm, in Psalm 102, um, what the psalmist is saying is that God is powerful, He's faithful, He's compassionate. And so what he is writing down and what he wants, that, that's what he wants a future generation to know about, of God's power and His faithfulness and His compassion. I come from a family who valued planting trees. My mom planted trees Special occasions, especially in our family. Uh, when my sister got married, she planted a tree on the day of her wedding, or I think she had the tree planted. Uh, my mom had a few other things going on on that wedding day. Um, when Jack, our firstborn, was born, uh, he was also the first grandchild. My mom had a tree planted in her backyard to remember Jack. Um, she did that for other grandkids she did that for a lot of special occasions um, so there was something about uh, just that i grew up with uh, with my mom planting trees and i will never uh, forget just how small it begins um, but then going away for a while and then coming back and it just always surprised me how, how quickly sometimes that the trees would grow uh, just in the last month or so uh, Jack and I planted a Meyer lemon tree in our backyard. It was given to us in a big, um, it was a big pot that we brought with us from San Jose. And uh, already in the, in this little backyard that we have is a, a lime tree and another lemon tree that our landlords had planted previously. And so uh, we, we talked about it and do we, um, it was given to us by uh, just a really sweet family. Um, and. Uh, we kind of wrestled with, well, I don't, I mean, we're renting. How long are we going to be here? But it was seriously with this mindset of, well, we are going to plant this tree for whoever lives here. This is going to be a blessing for the people there. And so we planted that, uh, that Meyer lemon tree. And as Abraham was planting those trees, he had future generations in mind. Uh, You really don't plant a tree thinking just of yourself. You're going to be pretty disappointed. You're going to be Uh, you'll you'll probably grow impatient if you're planting a tree just for yourself. Um, And so with this series, as I've described a lifestyle of climbing a tree to catch a fresh glimpse of Jesus and His way of living, and being a tree, let me ask you a pointed question, where will you choose to plant yourself as a tree? Where? I want us to start thinking about uh, specifically, um, who is that person that God has called us to plant our lives um, near? Uh, what is that, who is that person? Uh, where is that place? Or what is our purpose as a tree? Uh, what will your life be celebrating and commemorating as it is planted in a particular place and among a particular people? We were blessed with a great example. Of someone who chose to plant her life at Pine Ridge, um, interestingly named after a tree, Pine Ridge, and uh, and just the, uh, I think it's a great picture. Also, Karen of longevity, um, you planted yourself in a way um, that there was uh, there was time over those eight years for for growth to take place. As you came in, hopefully you received uh, one of those bookmark shaped cards and uh, with a a post-it note, a leaf-shaped post-it note with it. How many of you don't have one? We can make a mad scramble and pass a few of those out. If you don't have one, raise your hand. All right, we're gonna, on that, on that leaf, we're gonna write, and you're gonna answer this question, what type of tree are you? And I wanna help kind of formulate what you'll be, um, what goes with that. Uh, But I want you to think about what unique fruit that you will bear that will make the world a better place. What fruit will you bear that contributes to a healthier spiritual ecosystem in Marin? Uh, Trees obviously bear fruit according to their kind. Uh, they are, uh, you know, apple trees. You can pretty much bank on the fact that they're not going to be producing oranges and vice versa. Um, so, what type of tree are you? I think it's uh, it's worth noting in Genesis one eleven that was read earlier. Um, God planted those seed bearing plants and trees in the land, and they bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. We have in this room various kinds of trees. What type of fruit? will we be producing? what type of fruit, of fruit specifically where you will you be producing? Parker Palmer had this to say about vocation. We talk about vocations and jobs and he was delineating beneath uh, b- between the two. and he says vocation comes from the Latin for voice. Vocation is not a goal we pursue, but rather a voice to be listened to, a calling we hear. Um, this is rooted in the belief that God, created us, and He placed us in in each of us a seed, um, a desire for a way that we would be a unique expression of God in this world. Before you were made, um, before you were born, God knitting you together places uh, in you this seed, this desire for a way that, that you can uh, make this world a better place, that you can be a part of the redemptive work that God is doing. And so, what, what Parker Palmer is saying here is um, less uh, vocation is less something we pursue and more something that we just have to get quiet and listen to. If you have ever experienced an impulsive yes to a, to a question, hey, would you be willing to, and then whatever that was, and you, just something in you is just like, yeah, I, I can't imagine not doing that. Um, that's because there was a seed placed in you. Created, you were created for that. Um, sometimes it might take uh, taking a step of faith and giving something a shot, but then it, it grows in you, and you realize how much that is a desire that is in you. And so, um, before you write anything on that leaf about a person, a place, or a purpose that you feel God's called you to, I want to uh, uh, give you some more questions and some things to chew on. Um, first of all, what soil? In what soil are you planted? In other words, where are you? What's the unique setting around you? I mentioned earlier that not too many trees. A tamarisk tree was probably about the only one that could grow in a particular type of soil with a high salt content. Um, that You might find yourself in a situation where you are really uniquely placed there to be used by God. And it, it might be something that Um, someone else in your family is not uniquely called to, or someone else in this congregation is not necessarily especially equipped to. Um, There are times, I know uh, Beth and I have talked about You know she'll feel a tug on her heart to be a part of something and we often laugh because what we feel called to is sometimes so different Uh, the type of ministry that would really make her sing is one that i'd be like oh man that would drain the life out of me and then the things that i find so life-giving she's just like i am so glad god asked you to do that and not me Um, so what type of soil are you planted in and how can you celebrate that how can you make the most of that how can you Go. This is not an accident that I am planted right here in this particular time of my life. Second question: What rains have showered your life? What type of nourishment um, has? How has God uh, specifically grown you? And how might that also help others around you to grow? It could be some uh, some type of a a real big encounter in your life that you are thinking I would love to be a part of that same thing in someone else's life. And then the third question, how have wind and weather shaped you? In other words, you've had some challenges in life. This hasn't been easy for you wherever you've been planted. But how has that given shape to you? How has it served to strengthen you? How have life's challenges and hardships uh, shaped you? And how might that be speaking to the way that you could be a tree for someone else? I believe that your answers to these questions could give you clues as to the type of fruit that you will bear. And listening plays a key role. I think this is why we have to continually be climbing a tree to catch a fresh glimpse of Jesus. We are rising above a very crowded world. We want to intentionally press pause and be still, and create an opportunity just to listen, and to be in God's presence. And we trust that in those quiet moments, we will hear and feel that impulsive yes rising up, within us. Frederick Buechner says, the place God calls you to, and I would say, you could say the place, or the person, or the purpose God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And that's another way you know that you are really doing what God created you to do. That God, a sovereign God, Put that seed in you for a reason. Because He knew um, not only this would, this would bring great gladness to your soul, but it would also intersect a deep need, um, a great hunger that the world has. And so as a symbol of your commitment to be a tree, um, I would like for you to write on that, on that leaf um, a name of a person, perhaps, or a specific place, or a purpose? What is it that God is maybe stirring in you? How can you be used by God as a tree in someone else's life? Um, And I want to give us just a moment to to be silent and to chew on that. I'm going to ask Jane to make her way back up onto the stage. And in just a moment um, you'll have an opportunity to take that leaf and place it up here on the tree. That will be combined with our communion time.